الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على عبد الله ورسوله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين We reach Surah Al-Qari'ah Allah Azza wa Jal said Al-Qari'ah Mal-Qari'ah Wama adaraka Mal-Qari'ah Al-Qari'ah is or this surah, Surah Al-Qari'ah, is a surah that is Makkiyah Bil-Ijma' All of the scholars agreed that this surah was revealed to the Prophet Sallallahu before the Hijrah while he was in Mecca Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And as for the name Al-Qari'ah, Al-Qari'ah is one of the names of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, of the Day of Judgment, Day of Resurrection. And I don't know if you've thought about, we spoke already in the class about the names of the Hellfire. When we did Surah Al-Humazah, we spoke about the names of the Hellfire. We talked about Jahannam, Al-Jahim, and Al-Hutama, the different names of the Hellfire, Al-Nar, many different names. And we said it's a good thing for you to research and remind yourself the different names that Allah gave Jahannam. So in this surah, we have a different name for Yawm Al-Qiyamah, a different name for the Day of Judgment. So again, the Day of Judgment has different names. Uh, from the names of the Day of Judgment we have, we're going to come to At-Tamma, Al-Sakha, we're going to come to uh, Al-Qiyamah, Yawm Al-Deen. All of these are names of the Day of Resurrection. And one of the names of the Day of Resurrection is Al-Qari'ah. Al-Qari'ah. And why is it called Al-Qari'ah? Or what does Al-Qari'ah mean? Al-Qari'ah is a name for a calamity, a severe calamity, a musibah. And that's why the Arabs, they say, Fulanun nazalat bihi qari'ah. This person, a big calamity happened to him. A big calamity happened to him. They say a qari'ah happened to him. And it's said linguistically because, uh, and I'll find the right word for it. I did find it before, but I lost the word in English. But I had a very good word for, for it. I will find it now. It said Al-Qari'ah because it will smite the, the disbelievers with punishment. Like it will strike them with punishment. That's one of, the, one of the things that why they said it is called Al-Qari'ah. Because it will strike the disbelievers with a punishment. And it said because it will strike fear into the hearts. It will strike fear or it will strike the hearts, or strike fear into the hearts. That's another reason why it's called Al-Qari'ah. But the main thing here is that the word Qari'ah is used for a severe calamity, a severe musibah that happens to a person. And why is it that Allah Azza wa Jal asked 
about Al-Qari'ah or pose the question about Al-Qari'ah three times. Al-Qari'ah, Mal-Qari'ah, wa ma adaraka Mal-Qari'ah. This here, this uh, repetition here or this question here, the scholars they say it is lit-ta'zim. Lit-ta'zim because of the severity of it. It's repeated these three times. It's repeated these three times. This huge calamity. What is the huge calamity? And what will make you know what the huge calamity is? Because of its severity, the question is posed again and again. And this is, we've mentioned, is an uslub. It's a style of Arabic that the Arabs use when something is very, very severe. They repeat it. And something is extremely serious, they repeat it. So it's a style of Arabic to repeat it like that. Al-Qari'ah, the calamity. So here, because the word Qari'ah can be used for a calamity in this, in this life. So the question comes, Mal Qari'ah, what is this huge calamity? Wama adaraka mal Qari'ah. And what is this striking calamity? What is this calamity that strikes? So then Allah Azza wa Jal explains the calamity that he is referring to, and this is a kind of tafsir al-Qur'ani bil-Qur'an, explaining the Qur'an with the Qur'an, that Allah Azza wa Jal explains the kind of calamity, or which calamity is being referred to. The great calamity, the biggest one of all. يَوْمَ يَكُونُ النَّاسُ كَالْفَرَاشِ الْمَبَثُوثِ it is the day on which the people will be. The people will be kalfarash. Farash here refers to moths. That's one opinion of the scholars of tafsir. They said that farash refers to the moth. And it is mabthuth. It's all scattered out. Like scattered out moths or dispersed moths all spread out everywhere some of the scholars of tafsir they said the word farash here is not specific to the moth but it means all of the little flying insects so including the mosquitoes and the small things the small flies and the fireflies and these kind of small insects they said it refers to all of them and why they said this is they said that in Surah Al-Qamar, Allah said, كَأَنَّهُمْ جَرَادٌ منتشر. Like they are locusts that are being scattered or spread out. So they said that if we say the word farash refers to all flying insects, then these two ayat are the same. These two ayat, كَالْفَرَاشِ الْمَبَثُوثِ Like the moths that are spread out. كَأَنَّهُمْ جَرَادٌ مُنْتَشِرٌ Like they are the locusts that are, are spreading out. Both are the same, both refer to the same thing. However, the most famous tafsir or the one that is most uh, common for Farash is the moth. Is to say that it is specifically, it's specifically the moth. So if it refers to the moth, first of all, there are a couple of features or things about the moth 
that we want to pay attention to. The first thing is that the moth is attracted to the fire and the light. It's one of those animals that if you hang a light, a lamp out, it will keep on hitting the lamp. And it falls into the fire. It's an animal that if you have a, it's an insect, if you have a fire, it comes near to the fire and then sometimes it gets itself burnt and it falls into the fire. So this statement, it shows the way the people will be on the day of judgment, that the people will be lost, that the people will be scattered, that the people will be moving from place to place without any guidance, because that's how the moth is, right? It just goes around, that the people will be scattered out and dispersed, that the people, some of them will fall into, will fall into the fire in the way that the moths fall into, into the fire. And here, كَأَنَّهُمْ جَرَادٌ مُنْتَشِرٌ Again, this refers also to the fact that they are mutafarriqoon. They're all dispersed and separated from each other. And that they're also not together. In other words, there is no alliance or allegiance on that day. There's no people coming together, like helping each other out. They're like the moths that are scattered. One moth doesn't go with the other one. They don't fly together like in twos or threes or groups. Instead, it's just... They're scattered. Nobody is helping anybody else. Nobody is supporting anybody else because of the severity of that day. Then Allah told us, And the mountains, they will be kal'ihn. Al'ihn, it is a suf, wool. Wool. And the mountains in the Qur'an, Yawm Al-Qiyamah, are described with different, different ways. They're described as, that, as if they are, as if they are crushed, as if they are, uh, as if they are uh, moving, as if they are like, moving like the clouds. There are many descriptions of the mountains, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. So as we go through the tafsir also, we want to, to think about that, the different descriptions that the Qur'an gives for the mountains, Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And here, Allah Azza wa Jal gives the description that they are manfush. They are like wool. And the wool is manfush. And they said here that the word manfush it means قَدْ شَرَعَ فِي الذَّهَابِ وَالتَّمَزُّقِ It started to get broken up and it started to, to, like, to lose its, uh, its strength. So it's not like the wool that you find in the, in the knitting wool which is all tied up together, but like frayed wool. That, is, that perhaps is a good translation. Like wool that is frayed, it's about to break apart. And this is one of the signs of the severity of the Day of Judgment. Because if you think about it, these mountains, which are the strongest things that we have on this earth, and Allah made them like pegs, and they hold the earth together, and they are like huge and firm. If the mountains are turned into frayed wool, if the mountains become 
just dispersed into nothingness, into dust. This is something which shows us the severity of that day, which is Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And some of them said that Al-Ihn, it refers to colored wool. It refers to colored wool only. This is the opinion of Ibn Jarir and a group of the scholars, Rahimahumullah, that Al-Ihn, it is Al-Suf Al-Mulawwan. It's, the, it's the, the dyed wool. But in any case, these opinions are all close, uh, close together. And it's also, and he tells us about the mountains. And eventually the mountains will be as if they are a mirage. They will, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will completely destroy them as, the, as this is a part of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, part of the Day of Judgment. Then Allah Azza wa Jal told us about the people and their deeds. And Allah Azza wa Jal said, فَأَمَّا مَنْ ثَقُلَتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَهُوَ فِي عِيشَةٍ رَاضِيَةٍ As for the one whose mawazin are heavy. First of all, the word mawazin here, there are two different opinions about it. One is that the word mawazin is jam'u mizan. So it's the plural of the scales. So a mizan is a scale and mawazin are scales. And we know that there will be scales, yawm al-qiyamah, and these scales will be real. They will not be like imaginary or something like that. They will be a real set of scales. And on these scales, things will be weighed. And there are different things which will be weighed on the scales and Ahlul Sunnah, they affirmed all of them. They affirmed that the scrolls will be weighed. The scrolls, the suhuf that people have and the sijillat, the scrolls and the books will be weighed. Also the deeds will be weighed, al-a'mal, the deeds that a person does will be weighed. And likewise, the people or some of the people will also be weighed. All of these have evidences from them. Have evidences from them in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ for the different things that will be, that will be weighed. As for the people being weighed, there is a hadith that samin there will be a fat, big fat man on the day of judgment, a big heavy man who will be weighed on the scales and his weight will not equal the wing of a mosquito in the sight of Allah because he didn't do the good deeds that are weighty on the day of judgment. He didn't do the thing which really matters, which really has the weight. As for the suhuf and the sajillat, the, the scrolls and the books being weighed, then we have the hadith of the bitaqa, of the man who will come with 99 scrolls as far as the eye can see, and then he will have nothing, no good deeds, except for a bitaqa upon which is written, La ilaha illallah. And he will say, my Lord, what will this do against this? Then all of the scrolls will be put on one side 
and la ilaha illallah will be put on the other side and la ilaha illallah will outweigh the 99 scrolls of bad deeds which were as far as the eye can see. So this is evidence that one of the things that will be weighed will be the, the, the scrolls themselves, the sajillat themselves. And as for the deeds being weighed, then this is uh, something which is proven in many of the ayat and most of the ayat talk about the deeds uh, being weighed. And they will be weighed even as small as a mustard seed or an atom's weight. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَهُ Whoever does the equal of a seed, a small seed, or an atom's weight of good will see it. And whoever does a small seed's worth of bad will also see it. This is, we've talked about, the word mawazin meaning mizan, the scales. However, there's another possible meaning for the word mawazin, and that it is jam'u mawzun. It's the plural of things that are weighed. So here in this tafsir, it doesn't refer to the scales. Whoever's scales are heavy. The first one, whoever's scales are heavy, whoever's mizan is heavy, i.e. it's the, the good deeds are heavier than the bad deeds, or the good scrolls are heavier than the good scrolls. So this is whoever's mizan is heavy, whoever's scale. But some of the scholars of tafsir, they said, mawazin here, it means mawzun, whoever's things that are weighed are heavy. Not the scales, but the things that are weighed on the scales. I.e. Al-Amal, Al-A'mal, the deeds. Whoever's deeds are heavy. Whoever's deeds are heavy. So maybe it can refer to whoever's scales are heavy. And it can also refer to whoever's deeds and actions are heavy. Heavy here, what does it mean? What does it mean here? It doesn't mean that they are in themselves heavy, but it means that they outweigh. They outweigh. They are heavier. They are rajiha. They make the scale go heavy on that side compared to the sayyat, the evil deeds and the bad deeds. This person is in Aishatin Radia. Aishatin Radia. Aisha here means Al Aish. He's living or she's living. But what does the word Radia mean here? Because the word Radia is on the pattern Fa'ila. So the scholars, they had two opinions about the word radia. And these don't contradict each other, by the way. Like we saw, remember we said before in the classes that most of the time the different opinions in tafsir don't go against each other. So is it the scales that are heavy or the deeds that are heavy? It's the same, it's the same thing. Whether your scales are heavy or the deeds on the scales are heavy, it doesn't contradict the different opinion, doesn't make it, it doesn't clash with itself. Here also, some of them said radiyah, it means mardiyah. Radiyah, 
It means mardiyya, meaning the person who is living this life, yardaha, he's content with it, she's content with it. Living a life of contentment. So the person is content. The person living that life whose scales were heavy or whose deeds were heavy, that person is living a life of contentment. So content, pleased with everything. There's nothing more they could ask for. The second opinion is that radiya, it is as it uh, as the word seems to be, as in it means fa'ila, meaning here that the life itself, the life itself is content. The life itself is content. What does that mean? Meaning that Allah has made that life. Allah has, if you like, set out that life for the person to be exactly as they want it to be. So that life has no, there's no objection in it. There's no hardship in it. There's, not, there's nothing that the person finds difficult to do because the life itself is radiya. It's happy for what Allah has made it for or it's content for what Allah has made it for. And that's why some of them said that radiya, it means munqadah li ahliha. It means that it has been made for those people. Allah has made it subjugated and put it under control so that it is exactly fitted for what those people want. That person is in a life of contentment and a life which has been made for them, which has been designed and created for them which has in it everything that they want and nothing is out of place, nothing is objecting, nothing is fighting back. Everything is as it should be. Everything is radiya. And as you see, these two opinions also don't contradict each other and you can bring them both together and say they are both true. The person is content and the life is a life that Allah has created for them with everything fitting into place, everything is submitting to and designed around and created for the people who will be living that life. So it is munqada, it is obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it is designed and created for the person that is living it. So there is no hardship, there is no worry for them, there is no difficulty for them. Everything is easy. وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُ And as for the one whose scales have become light, meaning that their good deeds, the side of their good deeds are light and their evil deeds are heavy. And again, we can say the same thing about mawazin. It can refer to the scales or it can refer to the things which are on the scales. It can refer to al-mizan or al-mawzun. And both are close to each other in meaning. So this is now going to tell us about the one whose scales are not heavy. Scales are light. 
In other words, their evil deeds and their sins have outweighed. And here, this is where some of the, the scholars, they used to say, they used to say, woe to the person whose individual things outweigh the things in tens and tens. What does that mean? Their, their ones outweigh their tens. Think about it for a second. Woe to the person. Wailun. To the person whose ones outweigh their tens. Whose ones outweigh their tens. The meaning of this is that your individual bad deeds are counted as one. Every bad deed you do is counted as one. Every good deed you do, walhasana bi ashri amthaliha. It comes with ten, at least ten. Ten multiplied. However, that ten multiplied can be multiplied ila adafin mudafa to many other levels in certain deeds, how Allah wills, Allah will increase. But the minimum that Allah promises you is 10. How can somebody have 10 good deeds for every one deed and one bad sin for every sin and then have their sins be more than their good deeds? And that is why they used to say, woe to the person whose ones outweigh their tens or whose individual things outweigh their tens, outweigh their asharat. Because it would seem like a person does all of these little good deeds and they keep adding up and they could end up with every day 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 because they keep on timesing by 10 and they keep doing as many small good deeds as they can. La tahqiranna. Don't belittle any good deed. And then he ends up with thousands upon thousands. How can he do that many sins in the day? This is one of the things which gives you, gives you hope. But on the other side, we see many people who will do that. So we have to be careful with ourselves. We have to remember that sometimes we're doing sins that we don't even think about. Sometimes we're doing sins that we didn't even reflect about so it's a serious issue it's not a light issue but we should Allah has with so much mercy Allah has given us that our good deeds weigh 10 and our sins only weigh only weigh one so we have it an easy uh, Allah has given us a mercy and an ease that our good deeds are multiplied by 10 and our sins are only kept as they are so we should be from those people who strive that our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُمُّهُ This is a little bit of a difficult one for translation. Because this statement, فَأُمُّهُ So what we'll do, we'll take two different opinions and we'll translate them each one by one, inshallah. So the first one, فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً is that the meaning of um here. Remember we, when we said Surah Al-Fatiha, we translated the meaning of um al-Qur'an or um al-Kitab, that the word um in the Arabic language, obviously we know the word um generally in spoken, it means mother. But here um has a bigger meaning. 
which is that the word um is used for everything which something goes back to. It's going to go back to or its origin. And uh, likewise, uh, it goes back to things which are very important, of great importance also. We use the word, we use the word um. And uh, here then, فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً there are a couple of different opinions. One is that the meaning of Ummuhu here is that it means Ummur Ras. It means the, the, the most prominent part of the head. It means Ummur Ras. Meaning Ad-Dimaq, like the brain or the top of the head, the crown of the head, maybe the crown of the head, the peak of the head. And how we are here, if it means the peak of the head, it means that it is that this person will be thrown or will be cast down into Jahannam head first. Meaning that his, his head or his dimar, his, his mind, his brain, or the crown of his head, he will be thrown down and cast down into Jahannam on his head. And this, or something similar to this, was said by Ibn Abbas and Ikrima and Qatada and others. Qatada, he said, Yahwi finnari ala ra'sihi. He said, He will be cast down into the fire on his head. And Abu Salih, he said, They will be cast down head first into Jahannam. And the second meaning here is that the um here, it refers to, like we said, what everything goes back to. So that the word ummuhu here means his destination, ma'wahu, the place where he's going to, he's going to be there forever. فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةً Meaning that it is the hellfire that will be his destination. Meaning there is no ma'wa la ma'wa lahu ghayruha. There will be no other place that this person is going to reside other than the fire. And that one of the names of the fire is al-hawiyah. And Al-Hawiyah here, if it's a name of Jahannam, if, if one of the names of Jahannam is Al-Hawiyah, according to the statement that Umm here means the fire, meaning that his Ummuhu Ma'wahu, the place he's going back to, فَأُمُّهُ Hawiyah, the place he's going back to is the Hawiyah. Then here the Hawiyah, it is the, if you imagine two mountains, the gap in between, the big, uh, like a big hole or a big, chasm that you look down and you can't see the bottom like you climb on top of two mountains when you look down you can't see the the ground this is what the arabs call hawiya that this is a hawiya meaning a chasm a huge like pit or a huge area that goes down from where you have two mountains and the gap in between this is called hawiya like a chasm a huge chasm or a huge valley where you can't see the bottom. 
And that's true of Jahannam. Because we know that the Prophet وسلم, he said about a sound that came and he said it was a stone that was falling into Jahannam since 70 years and it didn't reach the bottom. Sabaina Kharifa, 70 years it was falling in Jahannam, it didn't reach the bottom. So Jahannam is not like the fire that people see in this life where you think about like a small, like a pit or a small space where you put the fire inside. Something which is cast, it's, it's cast. Yahweh, it's thrown into Jahannam. It takes 70 years to reach the bottom. 70 years before it reaches the bottom. And that's why Jahannam is called al Hawiya, the chasm, the pit, the huge area which there is no bottom. You feel like it's bottomless, like a bottomless pit. It has no bottom, but it has. It's just that, like the Prophet said, it was falling into Jahannam 70 years. It didn't reach the bottom. So either it means he will be thrown into Jahannam on his head or by his head. So his head first falling into Jahannam. Or it means that his return and his place of abode and his place of living now after that will be Al-Hawiyah. It will be Jahannam. It will be the fire, the chasm. وَمَا أَدَرَاكَ مَا هِيَ and what will make you know what it is? How, what will you know what it is? Al-Hawiyah, this is when Hawiyah refers to Jahannam. Narun Hamiyah. It is a fire which is blazing. And here, here, uh, Hamiyah, it means Shadidatul Har. That the, the fuel is burning very hot. And that is why we find in a hadith that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, النار إلى ربها فقالت يا رب أكل بعضي بعضا. The fire complained to Allah, the hellfire. He said, my Lord, Parts of me are eating up other parts, burning up other parts from the severity of the heat is so hot that parts of me are destroying other parts. Then Allah Azza wa Jal fa'adina laha binafasain. Allah Azza wa Jal allowed the hellfire two breaths. Nafasun fishita wa nafasun fussayf. Then the Prophet he said, فَأَشَدُّ مَا تَجِدُونَ فِي الشِّتَاءِ مِنْ بَرْدِهَا وَأَشَدُّ مَا تَجِدُونَ فِي الصَّيْفِ مِنْ حَرِّهَا He said that the, the worst cold you feel in the winter is from Jahannam. And the worst heat that you feel in the summer is from Jahannam. So the Jahannam was given two breaths. One breath to let out the heat in the summer and one breath to let out the cold in the winter. So the severity you feel from the cold is from the cold, from the breath of Jahannam. And the severity you feel from the heat is from the heat of Jahannam. And this is something that we don't uh, see or we don't perceive ourselves. We can't perceive it. We believe in it because the Prophet ﷺ told us that it is true. 
Because the Prophet ﷺ told us it's true and the hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. But we don't uh, know how that happens. Like we don't understand how it happens. We just know it as the Prophet ﷺ said that the heat of the summer is from the breath of Jahannam. The worst heat, not any heat in the summer. The worst heat, the unbearable heat is from the heat of Jahannam, the breath of Jahannam. And the unbearable cold in the winter is from the breath of Jahannam. This also tells us that the hellfire exists today. And that it's not something that will exist Yawm Al-Qiyamah, it exists today. That's one of the evidences that it exists today. And the Prophet ﷺ told us many evidences uh, for that. That's what Allah made easy for us to mention. And Allah knows best. والصلاه والسلام على نبي محمد وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين جزاكم الله خيرا for watching please subscribe share and you can visit muhammadtim.com